episode 18, Tartar Project, Phil Toronto, coming at you, almost said live, but it's not live, it's live in the moment, but it's previously recorded, I guess, for all uh, intensive purposes of being accurate to you, I always want to be as accurate as possible, episode 18, just drilling home the fact that I, I do know my numbers, Emily Abadi of Hurdle today, lovely, lovely, lovely podcaster, fitness coach, entrepreneur, freelancer, and french fry enthusiast, uh, which you'll hear more about later. Um, I wanted to have M on because A, I listen to her podcast. I think she's phenomenal. She has some really interesting guests and she does a great job of just applying health and wellness to accomplishing goals and just telling the story that with success comes some hurdles. And the people that we view as successful or, or maybe we don't know and think they're successful, whatever, 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 there is not a clear path to success. Shit happens. It's how you deal with that and how you get through it. And it just makes the end goal that much sweeter. She does a great job of highlighting that on her show with her guests. Uh, and she also produces some nice nuggets called Hurdle Moments, which are essentially just one-on-one listening to her give you some advice on some topics she riffs on they're wonderful you should check out hurdle we had a great conversation around how she got started moving to new york all the fun that comes with it and how she made the decision to just be in charge of her life and how everything was essentially up to her fast forward to today she is still an avid writer fitness enthusiast and she's done some cool brand collaborations she's killing it and she has a lot of exciting things in the works, and I'm really pumped for her. I'm pumped for you to hear the episode, so I'm going to do my spiel about how I'm going to beg you to share the Tartar Project with your friends, follow me on Spotify, tweet, Instagram, all the good stuff, get it out there, follow me on, well, I don't know where else you can follow me, but do that. But definitely download the Tartar Project, give it five stars anywhere you can, tell your friends, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. And here's Emily. We're back. We're back. Tartar Project. I have a seasoned veteran today, Emily Abadi of Hurdle. Hello. I'm very excited. Me too. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Of course. Uh, it's early. It's it's 9 a.m. Is that early though? No, it's not. That was for sitting, neither was of us. I was like, <laughs> Em's been up since five. She's already ran six miles. Yeah. It's a thing. Um, I personally listen to Emily's podcast, Hurdle. It's excellent. You should check it out. Though There is a link in the show notes as we speak. Uh, but could you just tell the Tartar Project listeners what Hurdle is and who you are? And yeah. Hey, Tartar Project listeners. <laughs> My name's Emily Body. I uh, am the creator and host of a show called Hurdle. On Hurdle, I talk to everyone from entrepreneurs to top CEOs and athletes about how they've gotten through tough times in their lives, hurdles of sorts, by leaning into wellness. Uh, when I'm not behind the mic, I am also a writer and editor for a number of health and wellness verticals on a lot of the websites I'm sure you guys are looking at every day, GQ, Shape, Self, Men's Health, Women's Health. They write about fitness. I'm probably writing about it too. Uh, I've been a freelancer for about two and a half years. I've been a New Yorker for the past eight years and uh, 
It's been one fun ride so far. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, Emily does not have a dishwasher, which we covered before ah. the mics came on. So there's still goals to be met, still dreams to be had. I told my uh, my friends and family that 2020 would be the year that someone else accepts my packages. <laughs> so no more chasing the FedEx guy, no more rerouting anything. No. There's going to be either a real doorman or a virtual doorman to handle that. You totally have this. Um, you know, it's small goals Amazing. every year. <laughs> every year. So eight years in New York, where did you grow up? Grew up in Connecticut, uh, born and raised in Trumbull, Went to Yukon, so Connecticut through and through. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what I did with New Jersey. Like just <laughs> did not leave. It's it's fine. But eventually left. Did you come into the city a lot growing up or was Came it in a of- lot. Came in a lot. Uh, I feel like when you're from Trumbull, half of the town migrates to Boston and half of the town migrates to New York. So knowing that I wanted to be a journalist, New York was always the end game, or at least the career right. kickoff totally. launching pad. Did you care about school? Yes. I was a pretty good student, actually. I, uh, I really liked studying. Weird. Uh, I wouldn't say like my GPA was like a 4.0 right. crushing everything, but I was really committed to school. Uh, I was really interested in what I was studying. Studying uh, In college, I was a political science and journalism double major. Wow. Loved political science. Really thought about becoming a lawyer, but then really had a, a self- uh, a talk with myself and was like, this isn't, that's not the life that you want. Yep. Uh, so, but it was fan, like absolutely, um, immersed and loved like case law, learning why everything is the way that it is nerded out over it for years. Amazing. Yeah. Well, it's good that you decided that before graduating because uh. a lot of the lawyers that I know realize that after, and it's, it's kind of a tough thing to swallow when you're that far into it. And yeah. there's a whole financial aspect of it, of, will cost a lot of money, especially for that. So that's, that's very good foresight on your part. Very thankful that all of my college student loans are paid off. Yeah. That would not be the case if I, if I went to law school. Would have been brutal. Yeah. Did you do internships or anything while you were in college? Any one that stuck, sticks out for you? So, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. When I was in college, I went through a pretty big transformation and lost a lot of weight. And in that process became really interested in health and fitness. Now I still thought um, as a journalism major that I'd want to cover entertainment and maybe channel a little bit of Carrie Bradshaw and write about like love and sex and all of these things. To be honest, I've written about love and sex as journalists and I'm so awkward. It takes me <laughs> so long. I'm like, I can't believe I'm putting these words into the internet, into the internet. It just doesn't feel right. So I got really interested in health and fitness. My first internship was at the Hartford Current and my next internship was at Fitness Magazine, um, RIP, it's no longer. But I remember I had little to no internship experience and I just wrote them and I told this editorial assistant my story, not really understanding that this editorial assistant was probably only four years older than me, but thinking she was like the gatekeeper to totally. all of my dreams. Yes. And I told her my story and I followed up incessantly. And I was just like, she needs to know that I've gone through this whole transformation and this is my destiny and I'm such a good journalist and it's just the perfect fit. 
And I think I just bothered her enough that she was like, yeah, you can come in and talk to us. So I went in, I met with them and then, you know, got the internship and started paying obscene amounts of money to take quote unquote college credits, AKA show up at their office every day and commute into New York from Connecticut. And you know, it was thousands of dollars that summer, but totally yeah, worth it. Of course. You'll totally never worth it. it. You'll never. never forget it. You never forget your intern year in New York. Definitely not. Like the summers where you're just like learning what it's like to go out here and you're drinking until like 2 a.m. on a Tuesday right. and <laughs> like you I have to call your parents and you're like, I'm not coming home tonight. And they're like, I don't even know where you're going. Yeah. yeah. So where are you sleeping? That's no crazy. idea. Yeah, no that's idea. Fun. But it was great. <laughs> it was great. What was Hurdle your first foray into having your own business? Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because I think that you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and they kind of have the bug from an early age. They, in their mind, think... I have this passion to start something. And a lot of them have that passion. They might not know exactly what it's going to be. I wouldn't say that necessarily growing up or through college or when I graduated that I had this idea that I was going to create something that was my own. Uh, I was really passionate throughout my career about building the brands of the different verticals where I worked. But uh as my career progressed and I came up with this idea for Hurdle, uh, it became almost like a no brainer and something that just felt so natural and important for me to execute on. Amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. What, was there any one publication or work or what have you that you read and studied that kind of sent you on the path of wanting to be a journalist and actually pursue the written word and that's how you wanted to express yourself or was it just a whole combination of how you felt. Yeah. I mean, I think I grew up like journaling everything. I have like volumes of Emily's innermost thoughts <laughs> for years and years. And some of them are really funny to look back on. Locked in a vault. Oh my God. I, I don't actually know where one of like the most critical journals of my life is. And I've gone home to my dad's house and looked for it. And dad, if you have it, I am so sorry because I'm sure what's in there is absolutely <laughs> frightening. But I grew up just loving to write. And uh, I knew because I liked writing so much that I wanted to go to college for journalism. I wouldn't say there was any specific like magazine or periodical or newspaper or website that I looked at when I was young and was like, that is exactly what I want to do. But I mean, I feel like we all have ones that inspire us a little bit. So I would read Cosmo or at 17, but none of the things that I was inspired by, again, were like on the healthy side of things. So when the opportunity in my career came my way to kind of pivot and do more health and fitness journalism, I was frightened because I thought I would be really bored. Like totally. I thought that I was going from a place, my first job in New York was at a company called Cafe Mom. And I was at Cafe Mom for three and a half years and started as an editorial assistant and rose up to an assistant editor and did all of these things. But I had the opportunity at that job to write five different articles a day in every vertical from healthy living to entertainment to news. I was writing about everything from like the Kardashians to like party planning. I don't know. Like, yeah. and God, we even had a whole <laughs> Facebook fan page just for stories on military homecoming videos. Oh. Oh yeah. This was, that yeah, tearjerkers <laughs> every day. Oh my God. <laughs> every day, like a, a 200 word blurb to go with like some new YouTube upload that would get insane amount of traffic oh, and yeah. we just put it on Facebook and that was just part of the job. I, I can vividly see all of the ones that I watched previously. Uh, and just, just remember what I feel I'm like. Oh my God. Oh my God. They every turn time. Turn around, he's there. He's there. <laughs> yeah. He's the pitcher. Yeah. I know every time. So 
I, uh, yeah, for sure. So I was working at a company where I got to write a bunch of different stuff. So when Rodale approached me about coming in to help revamp and almost relaunch a website that they had called fitbee.com, it was interesting in that no one had ever come to me and they were like, we want you. Yeah. But scary because change is scary and scary because I was so worried about being bored. Like I was so worried that I, every day I would show up and like, how would I write about fitness every day and organic food and healthy eating? And <laughs> God, that sounds like such a bore. And I was so <laughs> nervous. I remember sitting at another RIP rodeo bar in Murray Hill. Yes. Throwback. Yeah. So I was sitting at rodeo bar in Murray Hill with my boyfriend at the time and my cousin, and we were making like a pro con list and to this day, like the both of them randomly will bring it up to me and be like, remember that time that we sat at the bar and like decided your entire career over like tequila <laughs> sodas? This, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I chose to make the jump and just have faith and it was the best thing I ever did. I mean, that, that jump uh, changed the course of my career for the better forever. And I Amazing. mean, it arguably is what inspired me or part of the thing, part of the bigger picture reason of why I, you know, started a hurdle in the first place. Of course. And yeah. we, we can, that's an amazing segue. Great job. You've done this before, clearly. Just a few times. What led to your big transformation in college and what was it? Okay. So went to UConn, go Huskies. Uh, I was a freshman uh, spring semester and I was working on like a term paper or studying for a final or something in my dorm room. Uh, and I remember just like dreading the task at hand and looking to my right and seeing under my bed, uh, scale. And I probably hadn't touched the scale since I moved in. Like it's probably been there for seven months at that point. But I was like, man, now is a great time to get on the scale. First of all, don't weigh yourself ever at the end of the day, ever, ever. But like, I knew that at that point it probably didn't matter. And I also knew before getting on that scale that this was something I had needed to do for a very long time. And so I got on the scale and you wait for it to populate. And like, even if you're in shape, waiting for the scale to populate is the worst four seconds. So nerve wracking. Ever. It's so the worst. So I'm standing there and it pops up and it says 204 pounds. And I am just so beside myself knowing that like I had had a problem. I mean, I'd weight cycled my entire life. I'd gone from overweight to being in shape at 16 to then gaining a ton of weight between 16 and 18. And now like I'm about to turn 19 and I, I'm faced with this reality is that I'm over 200 pounds. And so I threw on a huge sweatshirt and some some target con leggings and sprinted down the stairs of my dorm and down the street for about like 30 seconds until I couldn't run anymore. I just collapsed in the grass. And I remember being like soaked with just dew and looking up at the stars and just being like, this needs to change. Um, and it was hard, right? It took, it took some time. Uh, and it came in phases. The first part of it was learning how to eat better uh, maybe not eating banana chocolate chip ice cream from the Yukon Dairy Bar every meal. Yeah. Amazing ice cream. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Tough uh, to say no to. Favorite flavor ever. If anyone ever asks me what my favorite ice cream flavor is, I'm like, please, let's take a road trip. <laughs> okay. I'm in. And it's um, not that far. It's I, once went, I once told this to a guy who took me on a date. He was like, what's your favorite food? And I was like, it might be ice cream. And I told him what flavor it was. He could not from New York City, replicate, replicate the banana chocolate chip ice cream. But for my birthday that year, he, this is like the nicest thing I think anyone's ever done for me. He took me on a picnic and out of the picnic basket, he picked out an ice cream cake 
Because I told him that that was my favorite thing. That's really nice. And ice cream cake and, and sushi rolls, tuna avocado sushi rolls. Wow. It didn't work out, but yeah. man, that was but great effort. <laughs> great effort. Okay, great so I decided effort. I needed to not have ice cream at every meal and tater tots, also a sucker still oh for God. French fries. Um, I can tell you like where the best French fries are in the entire like Fairfield metro area. Have like a range. Are there certain categories like do you have the best waffle fry or are you kind of equal opportunity? It's all a French fry. Um, Seasoned French fries, though. Yes. So good. And don't discriminate against a waffle fry and especially not against a curly fry. No, not at all. But if you are from the Fairfield County area, fun fact, the Maritime Aquarium my dad and I always joke about this. The Maritime Aquarium has excellent French fries. So you can go see some some animals. And, yeah, and just and munch on some munch fries. Munch on some fries. Huh. Yeah, okay. Did so you have, <laughs> sorry, we're no. not off of fries yet. Because seasoned French fries. So good. Did you ever have Roy Rogers? No, but don't, aren't those, aren't there some in the city? I don't know. But th- growing up, I took Taekwondo in a town like a couple, I don't know where it was, but I, I do know where it was, but nobody listening knows where it is, so I'm not going to reference it. But next to it was Roy Rogers, and after any competition or anything, my parents would take me to Roy Rogers. I will never forget those French fries because <laughs> they were seasoned and they were curly. Okay, they're incredible. So this is our new quest. Yes, yeah, we're French gonna, frying. French frying. Okay, <laughs> I. I'm in. It's a I'm in. Okay. It's well, I had made the decision great. at the time to not eat so many French fries, although I'm clearly going back into that seg- segment of my life. Um, and I, so the first half was just learning how to eat better. And I lost about like 35 pounds over the course of, I don't know, maybe a year and a half. That's awesome. Uh, and then a year and a half later, I was working as a programming director at a summer camp in Madison, Connecticut. Shout out to Camp Laurelwood. And I made the conscious choice that I didn't have like a planet fitness that I could go to where I had been previously like going and doing 45 minutes on the elliptical every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I needed to start running. And that was really intimidating for me uh, for a few reasons. Firstly, because when I was growing up, my brother was a big athlete. He was a big cross country runner. He was on the track team. And so whenever there would be something that I would do that would annoy him, he would jest and look at me and he'd be like, go run a mile. And he knew I couldn't. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, it burns still. And it was like my whole, fi- like it was just how he would get under my skin. And so there's that reason. And then when I was in high school, I played freshman volleyball and to make the JV team, you had to run a mile in under 10 minutes and I couldn't do it and I didn't make the team. And so to pick up running was so intimidating, but what was worse than the idea of picking up running was the thought that I wouldn't continue on this journey that I had already worked so hard Uh, you know, to be on the bus. And so I started. And so every day after lunch, I would go into my little cabin and I would change into really crappy workout clothes and I would run down the street and run back. And that was it. And it took me like 14 minutes every day. And I did it every day. I had this pair of jeans that I bought from the Gap outlet hanging on the wall that were like three sizes too small at the beginning of the summer. I wore them to dinner on the last night of the summer. I remember like being so happy, having my friend take my photo, I like remember it so clear. And on the last day of the session, I took out my, my blue Jetta and I drove down the road and I drove back and I measured the distance with my car. And I thought every day that summer I'd been running a mile and it comes out that every day that summer it took me 14 minutes to run a half mile. (laughs) 
And it's so funny. And I think this is like one of the few instances in my life that I've literally been wiser beyond my years because I could have chosen to be so mad. Yeah. Like I could have been upset about this fact that I felt embarrassed about how far I was going, but none of that mattered. What mattered was that that summer I invested in myself. I turned something that I hated into something that I liked. I became healthier in the process. And then I paved the way to do so much good going forward continually for myself. Definitely. Which was so critical. So critical. Yeah. And yeah. You, you got up and you did it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how far it was. Yeah. I mean, and, and that half mile paved the way for so many other things, which we'll talk about as well. But like that half mile becomes a 5K and that 5K becomes more and more and more. And so before you know it, it's like you have to remember the first mile because if you don't run the first mile, then you'll never get to the 26.2 times eight. Drop the mic. Not yet, though. We're not. We're far, we're from, not, we're far yeah. from dropping the mic. <laughs> but that was really good. Mm-hmm. How many have you used that before? That's just off the dome. Yeah. That was really good. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so now three sizes smaller with the jeans. Hit the goal. At that time, yeah. Hit the goal. Hit the goal for the summer. I didn't, and that's something else that I will say, talking to anyone who has sight on losing weight, uh, you need to go into it setting small goals. When I got on the scale, ran down the road, fell in the grass, looked up at the sky. It wasn't like in my head, I said to myself, you're going to go run and lose weight and work hard until you've dropped 70 pounds. Like that was never the MO. The MO was to become healthier and in the process set smaller, smart goals that were more attainable uh, for me to, you know, achieve throughout that time period. And so it was learn to like running. It was don't eat tater tots at every meal. It was be happier in your clothing, like just work on yourself, just small things that I was doing that made me truly a a better person. Um, And then because of that, it didn't feel so overwhelming. Right. Because you tell anyone like you need to lose 70 pounds. Where do I start? Like you feel like Like, you're up against the wall. You don't know what to do. So Mm -hmm. anyone that wants to lose weight, I would say definitely setting smart goals, um, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound. I totally agree with that. I, I have had two massive weight loss transformations in my life. Mm -hmm. The first, uh, it was my litmus test for whether or not I'm overweight is wearing a suit. I don't wear a suit often, Mm. very informal. Mm -hmm. So weddings. Weddings are usually the telltale sign. I hadn't worn a suit in probably a year since the last wedding, the last slow weddings. I was in Houston, Texas, and Mm -hmm. I put on my suit and it was way too tight. It was like Tommy boy shit, like fat guy in a little coat, crazy. I had to sit down slowly so I didn't rip my pants every time. And I was something clicked where just like you, where it's like, yeah, I need to change. And I got on the scale. It's the heaviest I'd ever been. I'm looking at photos now. It's like insane. But The goal was just make a change, like eat better, eat smarter. I didn't have a target weight, but just anything lower than where I was, Mm -hmm. that was it. That was perfect. So it wound, I lost 35 pounds Mm -hmm. in two and a half months, but it was, I was just that unhealthy. It was so bad. My diet, I, my diet was deplorable. It was just so bad. Then I started actually running again. Like I really put the, uh, the nose to the grindstone, as they say, because mm-hmm. I did cross country in high school. I was a big runner. Then I got fat in college and it's just this ebb and flow. It was fine. Yeah. It's totally fine. Yeah. What stops you from going back there? Uh, I hated the way I felt. And now I have the comparison of how I feel now where 
I am relatively healthy. Like, granted, did I have three glasses of wine last night and some insanely unhealthy food? Yeah, I did. But I got up and I ran a bunch today and I feel good. And it's just, it's about balance, as yeah. they say. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> so you set smart goals. You have a new way to live your life. You're super confident. Are you super confident, actually, at this point? You know, it's so funny uh, because you could ask me how I felt at that time and how I could feel now. And there are still days even, I mean, that was in, that was all. So I decided I needed to lose weight in 2007. I would say I had dropped the 70 pounds by 2010. Uh, and to this day, some days I still feel like the Emily that's lacing up her shoes to go running down Summerhill Road in Madison, Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, there are photos that I'll see or just experiences or things or sensory situations where I'll still feel like her. And so I am so confident in who I am today, but I would be, uh, it would, I would be remiss not to say that I still don't deal with my own battles of, of self-doubt, but I think that everybody does. Right. Definitely. Uh, if anyone tells you they're a hundred percent good with who they are, I mean, that's great for them, but I don't believe it. Yeah. I, you know, it's a bit of a tall tale. Probably. It's a tall tale. Um, but at that time, I think it took a long time to reshape how I felt and how, um, I knew how to interact with other people, especially when it came to dating. I mean, I remember soon after I lost all the weight, you have like your five or 10 or whatever high school reunion. Yeah. And I went to that and I just felt so disgusted is a strong word, but just disappointed in the way that the people that I had grown up with treated me differently because I looked different. And I remember so many instances in high school feeling really self-conscious and really uncomfortable and, and people saying things about me and just, it was awful. Yeah. And to go back into that environment where all of these people, men especially like wanted to give me the time of day just because I looked a certain way. It was, it was just like very disheartening. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. At least one of us but has also, good words. No, kind of disgusting. Kind of disgusting. Yeah. Definitely disheartening. Yeah. Um, and so really learning how to handle myself in a different way and gain that essential confidence that I needed, uh, not just to embrace what was my new body, but just to become a woman. And like this all comes shortly before I do make the move and come to New York. And so that comes with its own fair yeah. set of challenges. Uh, so it was a really big self-discovery phase for sure. Excellent. Yeah, my friend says, my little win of the day, my Abercrombie 8 perfume came in and now I smell like a high school party. <laughs> I had coffee with her yesterday and I said, we need to be better about identifying the small wins. <laughs> so that's what she came out with. And she's right though. Abercrombie 8 does smell like high school. I did buy a sweatshirt from there and it came smelling just like senior year. Oh yeah. Cause they uh, just douse everything. Even so in a warehouse, good. they just probably just have a robot <laughs> or something. Yeah. An Abercrombie mister. Yeah. That, I, was, that, I was always jealous of the greeters. I was like, why can't I just look like you? My cousin was a greeter at one oh, point. God. I went into the Abercrombie on Fifth Avenue not long ago and bought like $200 worth of stuff. Really? At confession. Huh. Please lead the episode with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still recording. I mean, so. it's actually pretty ironic because I would go into Abercrombie in high school and couldn't buy shit. Like it all looked awful on me. And I'm like in there at 31 and I'm like, yep, I'm in Abercrombie right now. 
just gonna just, buy it. Just, oh. I'm actually I'm gonna keep this in the episode for sure. <laughs> um, just just for context, I record every Tartar project via video, and I have to get up every 26 minutes to hit record again on the camera. Uh, that was our little segue. We we dabbled into some Abercrombie talk. That's staying in. All the Normally influencers the for Abercrombie. That was so good. All the influencers for Abercrombie right now are definitely around like our age. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. They're older. They're they're aiming at an older audience. Abercrombie, I'm here. I'm open to sponsorship <laughs> yeah. opportunities. You know how to find me. Yeah. At Emily Abadi, at Hurdle yeah. Podcast. Check out my following. It's Check great. out my following. It's great. So maybe you're wearing Abercrombie. Maybe you're not wearing Abercrombie. At the time, you've just moved to the city. Yeah. You've started your whole new life. Whole new body, whole new Emily. Emily, a body. Oh, that's, that's <gasps> pretty cool. <laughs> what What are you doing in the city? So I graduate college. I'm smaller. I live at home for a year and a half. Uh, I had dated a guy at the time who did a deployment to Afghanistan. He came home. I like wanted to be closer to him. So I stayed in Connecticut. I finally am like, I'm working in the city. I have this dream to move to the city. I've got to go. Um, so I move that ends that relationship because I know that I need to be here and he's not really a city guy, although an amazing human. And so I make the shift and I am just going and coming from my job every day. I'm working out at the New York sports club. I'm paying $76 a month, I think to do that. Uh, and I have like a little routine. I like come home and make dinner every night. I find my first friends in the city and they all work in nightlife. Oh, which is okay. dangerous because all of my nightlife friends would work until like 1130 at night, get off work and then go out. And I wanted to hang out with them. So I would go to my nine to five job, come home, eat dinner, take a nap from like 8 p.m. Yes. to 11 p.m. I'm so sorry to my parents if they're listening to this. <laughs> I would get ready, take a bus downtown at 11 o'clock at night because I wanted to save money. And I knew that my $20 would go to me getting home from going out at night. Smart. We'd go out until like 2, 2.30 in the morning. I would get a cab home and go to bed and wake up and do it again. Wow. Only on Tuesdays and uh, Mondays and Tuesdays were the night that they'd Industry go out. Nights. Industry night. Yep. Um, but I was, I was on with it because I <laughs> loved my friends and I wanted to be a part of the crew. And I made some of the most wonderful friends during that time. And I mean, I could never hang like that now, but no. I feel like we'll everyone goes never. through that phase, that NYC introductory phase, but you're just taking it all in and understanding that you can do crazy things like that. I mean, yeah. I distinctly remember the first time someone said, Dinner's at 10. Can you make it? And I was like, why are we eating at 10? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. why? Yeah. So and it was fun. at this restaurant that was on my bucket list that I had for right when I moved into the city. And so I was like, fine, I'll go. He's like, my friend's going to pay for everything. And I was like, I'm in. Yeah. Sign me <laughs> I was up. Already coming yeah, it, right? it's yeah. already coming until you told me that. And I just remember showing up and there's like bottles of Prosecco just flying and the entire menu is showing up and there's like girls with sparklers and I'd never seen anything like this. And I'm like, this is what New York, this was is what happens cow? here. Like, it was at Beauty in Essex. Okay, very, cl very close. Yeah, okay. A town property. Yeah. It it's was crazy. Fun. It was crazy. <laughs> so I think I got up the next day and like went to 710 Berries. And that's the craziest thing about that time in my life is that I could do that then. Yeah. I cannot do that now. From both ends. I cannot like go to bed at 2.30 after drinking like 12 vodka sodas and then be like, okay, it's time to run treadmill sprints at 7.10. Yeah. See you then. Some of my best runs are hungover sometimes. Allegedly. A hungover workout Sorry, thing mom is. mom and dead. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a hard life to yeah, live. Yeah, it is. Because you're already hurting. So it's just like, yeah, I'll just push it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Sounds go. great. I'm super dehydrated. I'm going to vomit on the treadmill. Yeah. 
that's that's the darker side. That's the non-influencer picture. But yeah, okay. It's fine. <laughs> Sometimes you got to paint a realistic <laughs> yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah. Just got to get out there. That's all right. <laughs> so you're you're grinding the club scene, working grinding. nine to five. <laughs> when? <laughs> how far away from hurdler? <laughs> <laughs> We're far. Grinding the club scene is many years before hurdle. So I'm working at a cafe, mom. Um, I moved into the city. I think in 2012. Uh, I am at Cafe Mom for three and a half years. I go to Rodale where I relaunch Fitbee.com, which becomes RodaleWellness.com. And you were not bored. Uh, I was not bored. It ended up being the best, one of the best decisions I've made in my career. Uh, after about a year there, I started studying for my personal training certification because I wanted to create smarter content with the experts that I was working with. So if you were a personal trainer and you were telling me that for this workout, you would do three sets of 12 reps with X weight. Well, then I could tell you like, hmm, maybe we should lower that weight for my reader. Like, let's talk about this. So became a certified trainer uh, and I think while I was at Rodale was when I ran my first full marathon. Wow. I think. So, um, so I ran. Actually, no, no. Pause. I really liked <laughs> when I was at Rodale, I had just run my first full marathon. Um, and so running was my thing. It was what I did all the time. It's what I did in the morning. It was pretty much like the only way that I worked out. Uh and then the beautiful publishing industry got the best of me and I got laid off for the first time. And holy shit, is it scary to get laid off when you're yeah. like 26 and you have an apartment and you have all these bills. I think I had just moved into my own studio. Uh, I was so scared. Yeah. And it's like, what did I do wrong? Oh, no, nothing. Nothing. You just they don't just, have a job anymore. Yeah. And so I remember emailing absolutely everyone I knew just looking for work. Uh, at this time, being a freelancer was not on the radar. Yeah. I was 26. I was not trying to be my own boss. I just wanted someone to give me a paycheck. And it was really scary. Uh, I reached out to a woman, a lovely good friend of mine now by the name of Liz Plosser. She's currently the editor-in-chief of Women's Health. At the time, she was working at Self. I had moderated a panel that she was on uh, the previous year, and I reached out to her knowing that she was at Self. And I was like, if there's anything you need, let me know. I'd love to write for you, et cetera, et cetera. I wrote something for her uh, pretty quickly that week. And on Monday, she reached out to me, and the subject was just fitness editor. And the, the subject said, when can you come in? This is like four days after I got let go. I email her right away. I remember I'm sitting in the basement of the Lululemon flagship on Fifth Avenue at Hub 17 doing work. And I'm like, I'm wearing really nice athleisure at the Lululemon hub right now. I could be there in 30 minutes or I could come in tomorrow and not be wearing athleisure. <laughs> she tells me to this day that like that email was when she knew she was going to hire me. <laughs> but she was like, come in tomorrow and yeah. maybe put on something nicer than athleisure. And yeah. so I showed up and I met with her, not ever thinking that I would like go meet with the executive editor or the editor in chief, having never sat down with the editor in chief. And this is like a total devil wears Prada moment when she like hands me off to the editor in chief of self at that time, at the time, uh, Joyce Chang. And I sit down with her and I just look at her and it's one of those sink or swim moments of my career where in my head, I'm like, I need this job. This is my dream job right now to be the fitness editor at Self Magazine. I was like, I've never been a print journalist. I was like, but I can guarantee you that whatever skills I don't have that you would typically look for in someone to fill this role, 
I will do it better than anyone else that's going to come in this office. And I'm going to show you that I'm the right person to be here. And I just said that to her. And I remember walking out of the office and being like, what the hell did yeah, I just where do? Where did that come from? Where did that just come from? What's going on? And the next day I was like cleaning my apartment. Uh, I remember that uh, Billy Joel was playing and, and I got a call from HR at uh, Condé and it was, it was the managing editor itself. And she said, when can you start? And I was like, holy shit. I did it. Holy shit. This is insane. So it was so serendipitous. And I mean, it's just one of those moments that really tells me that like everything happens for a reason. I probably wouldn't have applied for the job itself because I wouldn't have thought that I had the experience that they were looking for, but just like right time, right place, go for it and, you know, give it all you got. Totally. And so I started itself and it was my dream job. It was a hundred percent like I was wearing the cute like combination of athletic wear and heels and like walking into one world trade every day and all of these people, uh, you know, wanted to work with me and I got to like make magazine layouts and go to photo shoots and it was awesome. Like, yeah. oh my God, it was glamorous. And I was traveling the world on behalf of self and I went to Dublin and uh, Hong Kong and I went everywhere uh, and it was awesome. That's amazing. And then- uh, cell folded. So it's the end of 2016. Was that less of a surprise? Did you, it was a know? huge surprise and maybe I just wasn't in the know enough and maybe I should have been more aware, but the morning that we got the email that we had a meeting with Joyce, uh, I knew something was up and we all went in there and Anna Wintour walks in mm. who had never come into a meeting that I was in before. Uh, and you just knew. Yeah. And she read from a few note cards and told us that it was done. Uh, and we all were crying. And we went to lunch somewhere as a huge team, like in uh, in Fidei that day and drank a ton of Bloody Marys. And yeah. we packed up our desks. And I think um, it was just so, such a shell shock. And when that happened, I didn't think that I would just become a freelancer, but I knew having to do it for like three or four days the previous time, right. how to get the ball rolling. And instantly when this news got out that self was folding, I had a lot of emails of yeah, people that email. wanted to work with me uh, from a writing capacity and then like a few job opportunities as well. But I didn't know right from the get go when that happened, if I would go in house again or what I would do, because at this time, having been let go twice, uh, you're really shaken up yeah. and you're like, what can I do to prevent this? Like what is in my control to set myself up to be better for the next time around? And so a big part of me right when that happened was like, all right, well, you know, you are what you have. Like, this is how it is right now. And it's not going to be how it was five minutes ago. So totally. what do you have control over to go forward? And so I was just like, all right, well, it's time to run at this again. And you ran, you did. Ran, I did. Good so, metaphor. I mean, the first, um, freelancing is hard. Yes. Uh, it takes a very specific personality type, I would say, to be comfortable with that much uncertainty mm -hmm. and that much unpredictability. Uh, for me, for me, I thrive on this idea that I get to choose what happens next. 
Uh, and everything that happens for me is a direct result of how hard I'm willing to work. And I think that is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it was, you know, really establishing a lot of the relationships, uh, and reinforcing a lot of the relationships I had had previously, uh, figuring out how to work with both editorial teams and then some of the big companies that I've, that I've dabbled with for years. Like how can I work with a company like Nike or like Under Armour? Can we create content together? How can this relationship shift a little bit? So it was just really opening up my eyes to the bigger picture and seeing like how I can be a worthwhile asset uh, in a lot of the relationships and to a lot of the brands that I find so interesting and so intriguing. Uh, While also fulfilling yourself. Yeah. And doing exactly what you want to do because it's your life and everything you want to be valuable, but you can craft your narrative however you want. You choose that. Exactly. So uh, a lot of writing. I definitely ran at a couple of full-time jobs, but none of them felt as like it as it did itself. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I would say about a year into the freelancing was when I was like, I'm done applying to jobs. Like this is what I'm doing. This feels right for me. Um, it's, it's the move. And about a year into the freelancing is also when I knew that I wanted to channel my energy a little bit differently. I had had for years this idea to start a podcast. I mean, you guys can hear it. I have like a very interesting voice <laughs> and people would always ask me, do you do voiceover work or you should do voiceover work or something like that. And I knew I wanted to be creative, um, but I didn't really know what it would be about, uh, aside from being in the health and wellness space. And I wanted to start it for a long time and was just giving my energy to other things and other people. And I, I got out of a relationship in October of that year uh, and I needed an outlet. Like I needed to channel my energy somewhere because like sitting home and being upset about something that like was never going to be how it ever was again, like wasn't going to do me any favors. So I'm sitting in my apartment with a girlfriend. We're eating uh, like ramen okay. on my couch and French I look at her. Don't travel that well. <sighs> no. Yeah. I'm just like, I look at her with so much sincerity talking about the situation I was in in my personal life. And I said like, I just need to get over the hurdle. And in that moment, like literally everything clicked. And I was like, that's it. I was like, that's what this podcast is going to be called. I was like, I'm going to talk to people about fitness. And like, there were a lot of conversations that happened after this point to really mold what hurdle would be. I think at first I really wanted it to be like a humans of New York, but fitnessy related and like mm -hmm. find people that were like me that might not look like your typical athlete, but have like their own really awesome story to tell about their relationship with health and fitness. And I think that maybe down the line when hurdle gets bigger, that's something that I can still dive into a little bit. Uh, but I knew that to build the podcast, I would need to connect with bigger names and, and kind of get onto a bigger platform. And so that's where the whole entrepreneurs and CEOs thing came because I mean, I don't have to tell you that, you know, that so many people that are just so successful have some sort of, uh, you know, personal narrative or story that has to do with health and wellness that helped them become, uh, that helped them really own their power and yeah. who they are and what they have to bring to the table. And so I started asking around and I found that hypothesis to be very true. Uh, and because of all the connections that I had in the health and wellness space, I just started asking. Yeah. I remember That's some so practice when you first started freelancing too, because yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty good practice. Like ask for help. Yeah. Not even help. Just ask. Yeah. You won't get it. I remember so clearly the first like big get I got was Sadie Lincoln. And I just like asked her PR person. I was like, does Sadie have time to do hurdle when she's in town next week? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, 
I called my parents freaking out. I was like, oh my God. And Sadie sits down in like a small recording studio that I was using at the WeWork on 34th Street. That's sadly no longer. And I'm sitting there with like my blue Yeti microphone on top of like three notebooks, like funnily connected to my laptop computer. And I'm like, this is very legit. I don't know what you thought you were going to walk into, but this is where we are. Yeah. Welcome to my studio. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with me. And I mean, to this day, like Sadie is an amazing human. She was in New York not that long ago. I surprised her and went to her class. Like I, I find so much value and I like truly feel such a deep connection with everyone that's given me their time. And I'm sure you can totally relate to this hundred percent that like, I want them to win in every way possible. And so, uh, you know, from episode one, I think I've recorded 67 episodes with guests now and like maybe 20, uh, what I call hurdle moments, which are Wednesday segments that are relatively new to the pod. Um, which are just more of me just riffing on different topics that people reach out to me about. But I'm, um, you know, 80 something episodes in and, yeah, and it's not looking back, never looking back. That's right. I feel as though with hurdle, I mean, I'm very lucky to be in a vertical of content creation when it comes to journalism and my writing that really does have uh, an opportunity to affect a lot of people. But with hurdle for the first time in my career, I feel like I'm doing some good that really resonates with an audience and really gives me the opportunity to help someone in such a bigger way, in such a more effective way in, and I can tell that just from like the, you know, the responses that I get every day. I mean, it's so funny. I remember sitting down with Shanae Alexander uh, relatively early on for Hurdle. And she's got, I don't know, like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. But she told me in that interview that she answers every DM that she gets. She's super empathetic, which is very true. She's such a sweetheart. And I was like, I don't know how you do it. And I have like, I don't know, 12, 13,000 followers. And I am so overwhelmed. Yeah. But I feel the same way. I'm so empathetic. I want you to be your best version of you. And I think about the Emily that was running down the street outside of her college dorm that didn't have anyone like the Emily now to look up to. Didn't have anyone that she felt she could talk to. Social media wasn't a thing. There was no one that I felt like understood how I feel. How There was no one that I felt like at the time understood how I felt. And so if I know that there's one person out there that hears what I'm doing and hears the conversations that I'm having and putting into the universe and feels better for it, then like, fuck, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, so it's special. And what I like about Hurdle is it's not overly fitnessy and preachy. It's health and wellness, but that applies to mental health. It applies to just how you approach your life. Are you more confident? That's what resonated with me and why I started listening and I asked you to be a guest because I feel like that is important. So I do enjoy that. So Thank great you. job. Thank you. Um, and I would say that if you weren't sitting in front of me as well, um, that's amazing. Thanks. What's to come for Hurdle? What do you have planned in the most immediate future that you're okay with sharing? When's this episode coming out? Uh, probably next week. So. <laughs> Tuesday, actually, to be exact. Yeah. Wow. Um, Really exciting. Uh, I'm in Shape Magazine for September. Cool. Congrats. Uh, so Shape is doing a, a Woman Run the World issue. They're also having a Woman Run the World Summit here in New York in October. Uh, but I am one of 15 women that they selected to feature in their September issue. And so that, like, I could cry just talking about it. It blows my mind. That's I incredible. think about all of the meetings and talks I had with friends about this crazy idea that I had and how scared I was and how vulnerable I felt. And 
to just know again that putting myself out there is is leaving an impact and it's crazy. I mean, I have had the awesome opportunity and worked really hard to have bylines in a lot of the magazines that I grew up reading. And the fact that I'm going to be featured in this magazine is just absolutely mind blowing. So that's a big deal to me. Uh, and then some more like fun things to come. I've been doing a lot of really awesome brand collaborations and hosting some really awesome live conversations. Just last week I was in uh, Los Angeles sitting down in the original Nike store at uh, Blue Ribbon Sports with Christy Godso and Kat Lee and and Catherine Lee. And we had a really beautiful conversation about how to start and stay running and how they both got into running. And Catherine's like ran Chicago out of nowhere last year. And that's just so awesome. So I just love that hurdle has been so wonderful and helped me to have these conversations and get together with other people and collaborate again with so many of these brands that I really admire. Uh, as for what's really next, I mean, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people listen to your podcasts, mm. obviously. Yeah. So yeah, maybe someone that's listening. Number seven in the world. Right now, so. <laughs> the top podcast. Yeah. I, uh, I feel as though uh, I'm looking to grow, but I can't do it alone. So I don't really know anything about how the hell to do that. I've just been winging it for the last year and a half and producing and editing and Going pretty well, booking though. and yeah. everything by myself. But um, I am a firm believer that you've got to spend money to make money. And I think that I'm getting to a place where I'm ready to spend some more money to to really give this the platform that it deserves. So I don't know what that looks like, but I know that uh, Hurdle's not going anywhere. I know also that I need to figure out like how to segue into a new season. I've been right. on season one forever. <laughs> so if anyone has some tips on that, that would be great. And then just, you know, like meeting more hurdlers, hanging out in the real. I think relationships are gold. So I want to have some good ones in my life. Are you going to do more themed events like pizza half marathons and such? Yeah, the pizza half for those of you who have not learned about this yet. Five different pizza shops, New York City, 13.1 miles. We did this two weeks ago. It was a blast. I think donut half is in my future. Oh, that that seems... French fry half? French fry half. I'll do a French fry half. Let's do French fry half. I just need more heads up next time. Yeah, I know. I gave you like an hour. Yeah. Um, but French fry half. French that's that's what's on the, that's what's on the horizon. Just, you won't have to eat nearly as much. No, I'm accepting sponsors for French fry half. So if you have a French fry or clothing, apparel, hydration supplements, you let us know. Phil yep. and I are setting up the French fry half. There it is. There it is. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> T-shirts. T oh, T-shirts. Bibs. My friend wanted to make bibs for pizza half and I was like, this is too yeah, far. Yeah, that's too much. It's yeah. too far. We're going to like five same, people running around. Like. Yeah, I don't know. And people could look and be like, oh, I want to try that. Yeah. It sounds fun. Yeah. Um, two things before I let you go. Mm -hmm. One, what is your life motto or mantra? All it takes is all you've got. Also growing up, my grandfather would say to my family all the time, do good. So I, I'm constantly asking myself, like, am I just doing good in any aspect of that word? Yeah, it's important to take a yeah. step back and look at that. What does all it takes is all you've got mean to you? How do you apply that? Um, being my own boss, finding my own money all the time, uh, sitting on my couch and just hoping that someone's going to help me out isn't going to do anything for me. Uh, I am in charge of what happens next. I have the opportunity to write my own story. So every single day when I get out there, when I'm running, when I'm writing, when I'm sitting with you, 
I owe it to myself to give every single experience, everything I have to get the most out of every single day. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm going to highlight and tell me if you want me to cut this or not, but you texted (laughs) it to me yesterday or the day, yeah, yesterday Mm -hmm. that you are choosing to have a good day and that's totally in your control. And that really resonated with me. So I wanted to say that for you (laughs) because I think it's great. It's a really good thing to have the back of your mind. Like you're totally in control. So it's how you react to a situation. Yeah. And I mean, every day, every day has like the opportunity to feel like it backfires or there's going to be something that's out of your control that goes wrong, but you have the opportunity to choose how you respond to that. Um, You know, we don't work hard in life for things to go wrong. It's okay to have that moment where you're upset or bummed or feel some kind of way. But then what happens after that? That's when you have the opportunity. That's when you get to choose how you move forward because even the things that so many people chalk up to be failures, you know, there's lessons in those. And so I get the opportunity, and that's just such a big word in my life, the opportunity to choose that every day is going to be a good day. Amazing. Last thing, where can people find you? Hey, guys. Come hang out with me over at Hurdle Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Emily Body. At Hurdle Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, listen to the Tartar Project. You can also find Hurdle in the iTunes store, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, shoot me an email if you need me. It's emily at hurdle.us. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. I know you're going to have a good day. Oh! Oh, That's to hit the the camera. That's perfect. (laughs) I do hope that... Emily and I see you at the French Fry Half Marathon coming very, very soon, probably within the next 30 to 60 days, I'd say. Um, and that's that's kind of that. That was a great episode. I really appreciate how candid Emily was around, around her journey and how she got to building Hurdle. And she has a wonderful platform now that I'm really excited that you know about. If you didn't already, um, hello, hurdlers. Uh, thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time hitting up the Tartar Project, thank you. If it's the 18th time you're hitting the Tartar Project, thank you so much. I truly appreciate every person that listens. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It means the world to me. This is so fun. With that being said, if you were to share the Tartar Project with your friends and give me five stars on iTunes and follow me on Spotify, I would also appreciate that. But just listening is enough. I promise. Thank you. But... Emily, thank you for doing this episode. We had a lot of fun. I hope that you take away the, just the fact that you're more in control of your life than you probably realize or want to give yourself the permission to act on, uh, I think is, is what I, I want to say. But y- you can do it. So it's up to you. You can make that choice. So follow whatever dream that you want and, and try and figure out an architect how to get there. Maybe it's over a tequila soda in a now defunct bar. Maybe it's not. But either way, you can do it. Um, check out Emily's podcast, Hurdle. Hit her up if, if you have a brand collaboration or just ideas. She's wonderful. Um, and I'll catch you next week. Thank you again for listening.